Well, good singing this morning. I hope we are looking to Him. We're going to be in Psalms chapter 37 this morning. The passage that Mark read just a few minutes ago is our text tonight. Psalms 37, 1 through 9. I'm going to go ahead and reread that and then we'll have a word of prayer. I want to look at four things that we're told in this passage that we can, we can trust in the Lord, we can delight in the Lord, we can commit unto the Lord, and we can rest in the Lord. And So let's begin in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray. Lord, I just praise you for your mercy and and grace. Thank you, Lord, for the avenue of prayer that we can come before you right now and come to your throne. Lord, I, I ask that as we are in your presence today that you would speak to us. Lord, that each one here would be um, attentive to your word, would apply it to their lives. Father, that we would, um, as a church, uh, commit our way unto you, that we would be resting in you, that we would be completely dependent upon you. Guide as I speak, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So as I said, I wanted to bring up the four things this morning that I look at this passage and, and uh, I, I know I've preached on trusting in the Lord several times lately. And uh, I know that in my own study, it's what the Lord has to keep reminding me, that we're wholly dependent on Him, that we, that we, uh, we have no cause for fear, we have no cause for, for uncertainty um, that we can look to Him. And, and I want that to be what we see this morning. I, I hope this is an encouragement to you as we look at this passage. So as I said, I have four points. The beginning, or the first one is in verse 3. We see it, we're told here to trust in the Lord. Uh, such a simple little statement, and, and I've been in church for 43 years now. And I've heard it all of my life. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Depend upon the Lord. And, you know, it's one of those things that in every life, I know I'm not an island here, I know that in every life we have, we have days that we absolutely do. We walk by faith. We see Him deliver. We see His power. And we're, we're dependent on Him. We have times, though, that, boy, it's all in my own strength. And, and, I, and I don't trust in Him. And I, and I think about it. For 43 years, I've been taught the same thing. For 43 years, I've had the Word of God taught to me. But do I really trust Him? Do I really take everything in this Word 100% and just apply it to my life? 
I wonder sometimes, do we really trust in the Lord? Psalms 115, verse 11. 115, 11. <coughs> Excuse me. So many times I read this verse as um, a command, and and I believe we can we can do we can apply it that way. But I believe its primary application would be this: it's this person does this, not not this person should do this, but this person always does this. And that struck me: ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. So if I really fear the Lord, I trust the Lord. If I really reverence Him, I depend upon Him. And to fear the Lord, I have to see Him for who He is, and I have to see me for who I am. And, and that's, that's the moment of salvation. That's the moment of salvation when we come to that point of understanding that, that I am wholly inadequate, that I'm guilty before God, and He is, he is perfect in every way. His grace is extended down to me and I, and I look at Him and I see the perfection and I see the holiness and I don't mean that I understand it. But there has to come a point in my life when I, when I look at Him and I realize He's my only hope. Ye that fear Him, if I reverence Him, I will trust Him. I will trust Him. And, and I, I think about it so often, do I truly fear Him then? Do I truly fear Him? Because I trust in myself quite a bit. Pretty self-confident many times. The old flesh rises up and says, we can handle this. Do we trust Him? I thought about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And I'm going to turn there because I don't believe I had quoted it quite right this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. That statement is an amazing thing right there. You cannot please God in anything that you do if you do not have faith. Pretty simple. If I don't trust Him, I will not please Him. If I don't depend upon Him, all that I do does not please Him. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is that he is what? <laughs> that statement is, is interesting to me and, and powerful at the same time. I just believe that he is God. If I come to him, I must believe that he is. That he's almighty. That he's all present. That he has all knowledge. I have to believe that about him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. If I'm going to come to him... My faith has to be in that I believe He is God. That He is the source of everything. All, of, all power. All wisdom. The source of life and light. If I don't come to Him that way, I don't please Him. He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. 
So we, look, we see this first point to trust in the Lord. And, and my thought was, okay, do you know Him as your Savior, first of all? I believe I've heard salvation testimonies from most everybody in here, and I praise the Lord for that. But I, that's between you and the Lord. I don't know for sure. You answer to God for that. Do you trust Him? Has there come a point in your life where you said, I can't do anything else? I have to wholly surrender to Him because of who He is. I come in faith because He is God, because He is able to redeem me, because He created me and, and gives me purpose. Do you trust Him this morning? It says in our passage, trust in the Lord, and then it has a couple things in that verse that are a result of trusting in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do good. It's an interesting little statement. When I'm, in a, when I'm working a job, I, if somebody just said, go do a good job, and they left it at that, you'd be a little confused. This do good, the Bible doesn't just leave it at that. We're told what that is. It's living a holy life. It's living a separated life. It's living a life that's a light and a salt to the world. It's, like, it's, it's that I want and I seek to please the Lord, that I'm going out every day and I, I'm viewing the lost as Christ does with compassion. Trust in the Lord and, and do good. Trust in the Lord and serve Him. Come out from the, among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Do good. James chapter, <clears throat> James chapter 4, verse 17 says, He that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know what? We're all guilty of that one, aren't we? There's something I know I should be doing, but I can put it off till another day. I can wait. I don't have to do that thing today. If the Lord put it on my heart, and I don't do it, it's sin. Him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, it is sin. Trust in the Lord, because He is God. And then do good. These simple statements carry so much weight. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord, do good. He says, so shall you dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. <coughs> Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 13. Another simple verse. It says, But to do good and to commun communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. For those sacrifices, what? <laughs> Do good and communicate. Serve the Lord with all of my heart and, and, and tell others about Him. Be, be vocal. We looked in Sunday school, the shortest Sunday school lesson in Victory Baptist Church history this morning. In Psalms 47 it says, To clap your hands, and to shout unto the Lord. That is to communicate what He's done for us. Do good and communicate. Forget not. For this is well-pleasing unto God. In this He is well-pleased. 
do right always. My dad used to sing a song with us when we were real little. I haven't heard it in years, but do right till the stars fall. Do right till the stars fall. And I, that was something he, he was constantly teaching us. Why? Well, the Bible says do good. Do good. If I don't, it's, a, it's sin. He will always meet our needs then. And I know you know this passage, but go with me to Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> I love this passage of Scripture. Because we get our focus on so many of the, the wrong things. And when I'm looking at, at the surroundings, or I'm looking at this upcoming bill, or I'm, I'm, I'm looking at what our government is doing, and, and uh, different mandates that are being made, and stuff that is just not... It's against our Constitution. It's not right. And I look at these things and I think, what in the world's going on? What are we going to do in ten years? How are we going to handle things in 10 years? It says here in verse 28, And why takest thou thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. <clears throat> that little flower is, is more beautiful than Solomon's temple and his home and all that he put together. He couldn't compare to what God made in just the single little flower. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall not he much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. It says, stop considering what are we going to eat, or what are we going to drink, or where are we going to get clothing? How are we going to provide? How is this going to happen? Inflation is just going insane in our country today. How am I going to meet the needs? The Bible says, that's what the world looks at. That's what they are concerned about. <coughs> not sure why I'm losing my voice this morning. I've been dealing with a stomach bug. I don't think it should be a... I, I'd take a glass of water, yes sir. But it's... It's amazing to me how many times I get focused on meeting the needs day to day to day. How am I going to go ahead and do this in a week? What, what are we going to do in a year from now? How are we going to meet the, the challenges that are coming in a year from now? My older brother in Peru was just told, well, the, he didn't, the president made an edict over the entire country that everyone 18 years and up must have the vaccine or they cannot go in a commercial building at all. That includes all churches. They have to have the vaccine to do anything. You can't go in the grocery store. You cannot buy gas. Basically, you cannot function unless you capitulate to these edicts. Well, what are we going to do? Are we going to sit and wring our hands about it? Thank you, sir.
He says, I'm not to take thought for those things. What if they make some rules here in America where we have to, we have to do things that we don't want to do? What if, what if they said you cannot do these things unless you obey the government? Well, God knows your needs. He says, the things of this life are what the Gentiles seek. The lost are looking for those things. God knows you have need of food and clothing. I love that thought. There in Psalms 37 this morning we looked at that, that God was determining our inheritance. Our inheritance is from Him. And what an amazing thought that is. That means He has something prepared for you that is far beyond anything this world can ever give. So who cares what happens tomorrow? And I don't mean we get flippant and lazy and, 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 and uh, silly about our life. What I mean is Trust in the Lord, do good, and He's going to supply our needs. He'll meet them each and every day. He knows who you are. He knows what you need. So our passage says there in verse 3, to trust the Lord. Verse 4, second point is delight in the Lord. Delight also in the Lord. All of these things have evidences. There's proof in my life if I delight in the Lord. There's proof in yours. If, if, it is, if it is your focus to please Him, if He is what you desire in your life, that, that close relationship, that, that fellowship that nothing in this life can give, do you delight in the Lord? I'm not going to dwell a long time on this one this morning, but just consider it. Do you delight in Him? Those that I really like, I want to spend time with. That's why I married Elizabeth. <laughs> I wanted to spend time with her. She was someone that I delighted in. Oh, well, I still do. <laughs> but when we were first getting to know each other, and I was praying about it, and she was praying about it, there was someone there that I wanted to spend my life with. Now, why don't I treat God that way? We, we were several thousand miles apart. She was in school in South Carolina. I was in Wyoming. And I had swore that I would never text. I hated texting. I had an old flip phone. I wasn't going to text. If you wanted to communicate with me, talk to me. Call me on the phone. Well, she had a lot of time in her life where she couldn't talk on the phone, but she could text. Guess what I did? I started learning how to text on that stupid phone where you had to push the buttons four times or something. It'd take me forever to say, you know, how are you? And we texted all the time so to the point where my brother was like, would you knock it off? All you're ever doing is talking to that fiancé of yours. I was like, well... I want to spend time with her. It's a good illustration if I spend that much time with God. I would delight in Him. If I truly delight in Him, I'm going to be trying to communicate at all times. Sometimes at the inconvenience of others. I don't know. Do you delight in the Lord? Do you delight in His Word? If you really love Him, you're going to spend time in His Word. 
Psalms chapter 119, 119 verse 140. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Every word in this book is perfect. Was put here by God Himself. The Bible says not to take out a jot or a tittle. This is the Word of God, complete and perfect in every way. Because it is pure, I should love it. Because it is His message to me. I should be in it, and I should spend time in it, and I should be studying to know more of Him. If I delight in Him, this is His communication to me. I want to read His messages then. You know what I looked for every day there on my old flip phone? was a message from Elizabeth. I wanted to hear from her. And I would stop whatever I was doing and I would read it. What about His Word? Are you waiting to hear from Him? When you get up in the morning, is it, is it your first thought? I want a message from God. I delight in Him. I want to hear from Him. So I'm going to open up His book of messages for me and I'm going to read into it. And I'm going to study it and I'm going to meditate on it. If you delight in the Lord, you're going to delight in His Word. Psalms, or not Psalms, Jeremiah chapter 15. <clears throat> Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word, thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. I found your word, and I ate it. <laughs> I consumed it. I went, I went into it, and I, and I just devoured as much of it as I could. And it became the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Can you say His Word is the joy and rejoicing of your heart this morning? I'm going to go into it and I'm going to read. Why? Because I'm called by His name. He who created me then died for me on the cross so He could redeem me and call me by His name. Now He's given me His Word that I may know Him. Am I delighting in it? Is it my meditation day and night? Am I looking for that message? It's always there. We're so blessed in the English language to have the Bible that we have. And we've had it for so long. I've never lived a day in my life that there wasn't multiple copies of the Word of God in my house. You go into our house now, there's, there's five or six on a, on a bookshelf that we've had down through our lives are special to us for some reason or something, but we don't even use them anymore. Why? Because we have five or six to ten other copies of the Word of God. I have seven or eight in my office. It's there every day. It's always present. 
I don't have to wait for the message. I don't have to wait for Elizabeth to text me to get out of class and say, hey, I'm doing this. His message is always there. Yet how often do we neglect it? How often do we not crack the book for a week, read into it and get that message? Delight thyself in the Lord, it says. Delight in Him. And He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. The desire of your heart is going to be to please the Lord. The desire of your heart is going to be out to have fruit out in this world to reach the lost. And the Bible says He'll give us those things when we delight in Him. So we trust in Him. We delight in Him. And then it says in verse 5, We commit unto Him. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. It says here again to trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. His purpose in your life. If I've committed my way unto Him, He will accomplish that which He has given for me to do. My purpose in life will be accomplished. There's no greater thing than that. To come to the end of the life and hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've, you've accomplished the tasks that I've given you. It says, Commit the way unto the Lord. It says in Pro- I believe it's in Proverbs, If I commit my way unto the Lord, my thoughts will be established. I love that verse. If I give Him my life and say, Lord, You direct me. You lead in everything. In all my ways I'm going to acknowledge You. That verse says, commit thy way unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. I'm not going to be sitting there with worries and and concerns and all these different thoughts shooting around in my head. There's no confusion. There's no no, uh, uncertainty in that life. Boy, what a blessing that is. To be certain of who you are and what you're doing. The world is constantly looking for who they are. They're never going to find it outside of God. But as a Christian, we can commit our ways unto Him and we know with certainty who we are and what we're doing. Then there's purpose and there's there's a goal in that life and there's reason behind it. What a blessing that is. Commit thy way unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. This says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him and shall bring it to pass. Verse 6, and He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. When I've committed my way unto the Lord, He brings forth righteousness in my life. And it's as a light. That's an interesting thought. It's, it's apparent. It's evident to everyone that there's righteousness in your life. When you're following Him, when you're walking in, in His will, Righteousness is as a light. It shines forth. It shows others that God is working in your life. That He's made a change. You're a new man. You're not what you used to be. You follow Him and He will make you more and more like Him. 1 John John chapter 2. (coughs) 27 through 29. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, Need not any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. Now little children, abide in him, and when he shall appear, we may have confidence, not being ashamed before him at his coming. Oh, verse 29. 
If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So I thought of righteousness as a light. That's what I think of. If you, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. That light that shows out is the Spirit of God. We're doing righteousness. It's as a light. It's a testimony. It shows to people that there's a difference. Commit your way unto the Lord. Let Him lead you. And you're going to be a light in this world. Your righteousness will be apparent. Not that you are anything, but that God's righteousness has been born in you. It's apparent to those around us (coughs) when there's righteousness. He also says that judgment will be seen. This was an interesting statement. Righteousness is as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. It's it's basically the same thing. Noonday, when the sun's at the the highest point in the sky, and it's the brightest time of day. That's what the judgment is like. I meditated on that a a little while. What does it mean that my judgment is as the noonday? That I have discernment? I believe that's part of it. That I can walk with God and know between right and wrong? I believe that is part of it. I think it is this. This is the, this is the conclusion I've come to, and, and you can take it if you, if you want to or, or not. I mean, it's, it's my opinion. I believe it is this, that, that the judgment in my life is apparent. That as a sinner, I was walking condemned. And at one point in my life, I came to know the Lord, and that condemnation was absolved. The judgment was taken away. The punishment of my sin, I no longer bear. There's freedom then. That judgment brings freedom. And it's as the noonday, it's apparent, it's light. There's joy in that. The sun at the middle of the sky, giving out as much light as possible. That's what the judgment of God in my life is like. Thy judgment as a noonday. If I commit my way unto Him, He will do these things in our life. Then lastly, we see that we are to rest in the Lord. Verse 7, rest in the Lord. (laughs) Pretty simple statement. Just trust in Him. Rely on Him. Verse 1 says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Verse 7 says, fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Fret not. You know what the word fret means? Interesting. It means to glow or to grow warm. To glow or to grow warm. It's, it's this pressure building up. It, it's, it's, uh, it's a motion then. I see it as fear. I see it as, as, as being unstable in all my ways. I look at the world then and, I, and I'm frightened. I look at the world and I'm bitter against them because they are successful in what they do. Isn't it tempting sometimes to look at the wicked succeed and, and somehow just see it as unfair? Why does that happen? The Bible says don't fret on those things. Their, their end is sure but to trust in the Lord, just rest in Him. He said, in resting in the Lord, there's a couple things that we're going to do. When we fret not against the the wicked, we're going to cease from anger. 
cease from anger. Did you get mad this week? I don't believe it's saying that we don't ever get mad, that God gave us these emotions, but anger is not to control your life. It is not to have a foothold in your life. It easily gets that way. It can easily become how we live in this constant attitude of, of anger and bitterness. Being, being resentful towards those around us, especially resentful towards the lost. He said, he said, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself, there it is again, in any wise to do evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. Evildoers shall be cut off. You know what? The things going on in our government today can make us fret and become angry. And there are a lot of people becoming very angry at what's going on. As we, as we slide into socialism, it's where we're going. Christian, it's not to cause anger in your life. Cease from those things. It says, fret not against them. Don't sit and wring your hands and, and try to figure out what to do. For evildoers shall be cut off. Evildoers shall be cut off. It's somewhere in Psalms, and I need to look it up again because I can't remember the reference, but the verse was such a blessing to me. It says, Though the wicked join hand in hand, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, their deeds will come to naught, but the seed of the righteous shall be established. So if the wicked out there in the world, and they are every day, joining hand in hand, seeking to work together, why? Because their father, the devil, seeks to destroy Christ and his work in this world. He wants to destroy this church, he wants to destroy us. But although they join hand in hand, all that they do is going to come to naught. Fret not against the evildoers, because their, their work is going to fail. They're already defeated. But the seed of the righteous shall be established. What a, an amazing promise. If I'm righteous, if I'm walking with God, if my life is right with Him, if I've committed my way unto the Lord, if I'm trusting in the Lord, if I'm delighting in the Lord, then the seed, my seed, my children, will be established. What a thought. Because as a parent, it's not that big of a deal what happens to us. The real big worry in most lives is what are our children going to come to in 20 years? What's going to happen to them as they grow up? The seed of the righteous shall be established. Trust in the Lord. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I just have to let God lead and guide in their lives then. He knows their needs. He's going to meet their needs. As, a, as I walk with Him, then He will establish my children. What an amazing thought that is. I don't need to fret against the wicked then. I, I don't have to sit and wring my hands about what's going on around because God is able to keep them and to use them and to raise them up to be godly men and women. I'm not capable of that. You're not capable of that. But you commit your way unto the Lord and He'll do it. Let's take the Word of God at face value. That's what it says. That's what I believe. I commit my way unto Him. 
He'll establish righteousness in my life. He'll establish judgment in my life. And then as I'm righteous, He's going to watch over my children. He's going to watch over this church. We don't know what's going to happen to churches in America in the future. We don't have to worry about it. God's already there. Are we committing our way unto Him? Are we trusting in Him? Do you delight in Him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for our time together. And I ask that you would just speak to us. Lord, help our faith to grow. If there's someone here that's not walking by faith, help us to confess that. We know doubt is sin. Lord, we know that, that to not do good, to know we need to do something and not do it is sin. I don't know the hearts this morning, Lord. You do. Maybe there's rebellion in someone's heart today. Help us to forgive or to... Uh, to confess that, knowing that you will forgive. Let's work in this short invitation this morning. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know your heart this morning. I don't know the needs in your life. But if you'll commit your way unto him, your thoughts will be established. Your life will be established. Your home will be established. There will be peace in your life that you don't have otherwise. Do you know Him as your Savior this morning? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse is very personal to every person in here. If you don't